When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. friends and welcome to the Season 2 Q&A. I'm Hero, the creator of Monstrous Agonies, and I'll be answering your questions with Sophie B, the voice of the understudy. Once again, we were recording in less than perfect conditions, so please interpret this sound quality generously. Before we get started, unfortunately, we had a bit of a run-in with the gods of podcasting while making this episode, who, in their infinite and unknowable wisdom, saw fit to take the first few minutes of the recording in sacrifice to their awesome powers. As a result, we're missing a handful of questions, which I'll answer here. However, I have just moved house and my recording space isn't set up properly yet, so my apologies again for the sound quality. First, we had a question from Naomi, the writer of The Secret of St. Kilda. Excellent podcast, 10 out of 10, do recommend. Naomi said, My pronouns are she, her, and my question is, first of all, how dare you? The answer is, with gumption and pizzazz. Next was a question from Matty O.K. Smith, creator of Neighbourly. Excellent podcast, 10 out of 10, do recommend. He asked, what's the editing process for MA like? In a word... Slapdash. (laughs) I used to do multiple passes for different things. One to put everything in the right place and choose between different reads I'd done. One to go through and edit out mouth noises and things. Another to clean up timings and make sure the jokes were all landing properly. But I found that doing that made me absolutely sick to death of listening to myself over and over and over Nowadays, I just sort of slap on my EQs and noise reduction things, then put on some music in the background and work through just the once, but at a 
pretty close level so that by the end of that one pass, it's almost ready to go. That's usually done on Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, I'll do another pass to tidy it up, add the music and the static, double check the transcript and get it posted for as close to 4pm as I can manage. If that sounds rather unprofessional and lackadaisical, I don't know what to tell you. I'm a writer, not a sound engineer. The final question we lost was from Radical Reliable Randomness, who asked, what was the difference between working on episodes that were just you versus ones with other voices? Uh, The ones with other people got written much further in advance, for one thing. While I'm happy to be writing a script for myself the morning of the day I'm supposed to be recording, and that's usually the day before the episode goes out, uh, I try and get the parts for other people done much, much sooner. I also had to sort of trial and error my way through editing other people's voices, which isn't something I'm very comfortable with, but hopefully it sounded all right. (laughs) Otherwise, it was just a matter of allowing enough time to get the extra editing work done, Not least because most of the episodes with other voices are also the episodes with the most sound effects. And we all know how I feel about those. Now, let's get back to me and Sophie doing what we do best. Farting about. So, quick one here. Mm? Ella wants to know, how long did it take Hero to do the woodchuck tongue twister segment? How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? One. One take. One take. Next, we have a question from Salem, and Salem asks, Hello, I absolutely adore the format of the show, and Thank I was you, wondering... Salem. Yeah, thanks, Salem. <laughs> yeah, just interrupt me. Interrupting Salem. Salem doesn't deserve that. How do you write the answers for the questions the narrator reads? Some of them cover really heavy topics, or get very specific about genus details. Do you do research for answers, or go off previous knowledge and experience? Mm. And this question actually ties into another question asked by Leisha Joy. Uh-huh. And she says, are there any real world advice columns that you feel informed the kind of advice the presenter gives? Okay, so I do do research because I am quite stupid and I don't know a lot of things. That's not true. (laughs) You know lots of things, but lots of very specific specific things. No, so I, I do do research and especially for the heavy ones because, you know, when we have the, the cat dad who's just straight up in an abusive relationship. I'm, I don't want to come out and say a really stupid, heinous thing. Yeah. So I'll go and look at domestic violence websites and see what they say. When the problems are the closest to real world problems. Yes. They, it's a matter of responsibility, I think. Because, because the, I don't think you necessarily need to have always the right answer when you're doing like, really very fictional fiction. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. like, you know, was... my fluffy werewolf boyfriend keeps eating my yes, slippers. exactly. Having said that, I think for the werewolf boyfriend one, it wasn't, the, it wasn't, there were two, two himbo boyfriends who were werewolves. One was eating the slippers and the other wouldn't do any cleaning because the cleaning chemicals made his nose hurt yes. and he was scared of the hoover. Yes. <laughs> I think they're both scared of yeah. the hoover. Because <laughs> I'm quite scared of the hoover. Which is very convenient for you because it means you never have to do it. I don't like it. It's too noisy mm. and it makes funny smells. Uh-huh. But I did actually like research like neutral smelling 
cleaning products. Yeah. Didn't name any of them in the thing, but just to kind of, it, for me, for me, research is, is, it's kind of like, like I need to have a bit of structure and a bit of framework in my head before I can find my way to the answer. And so the, um, the letter from a, a person who's from a genus that doesn't have eyes, I think, or, or possibly is, is, they don't have functioning eyes or something like that. Um, and so I ended up researching a lot of like blind creatures and, and like cave animals and things like that. And it's not actually going to come up, but it's helpful for me to know the space that I'm kind of working in. And I spend a lot of time on citizens' advice. <laughs> Which everyone should do. Yeah, look, I mean, like, no harm to the Americans, but, like, how do you live without citizens' advice? Um, and then for Lucia Joy's question, there aren't, like, weirdly, I do all of this research, there aren't, I don't really look at agony aunts because they're really depressing. They're really depressing because they're all either, almost all of the ones that I see, you just read them and you're like, are the straights okay? Because <laughs> it's always like, my boyfriend actively and openly hates me and makes my life really difficult. How do I come to terms with this and stay with him for as long as possible? <laughs> or like, I don't want to do this sex thing, but my boyfriend does. And then the answer is like, well, I guess you just suck it up. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, they're really horrible. But I did, my mom cut out and posted to me a huge pile of uh, the Agony Aunt section of the Spectator magazine. Of course which she is did. Extremely of course cute. she did. And I do like the the sexy woodcuts letter yeah. was directly inspired by there was a couple who were like, we took some very naughty photos <laughs> of each other back in the seventies and my wife looks extremely sexy in them. I don't want to throw them out. <laughs> But I don't want my children to see them. So yeah, so it's it's hard finding agony aunt columns that aren't just mortifying, wateringly awful. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that can yeah. be a challenge. It can be a challenge. Um. So leading on from that, in terms of research that you do or what framework you give yourself for the answers that you write, Jan Caltrop asks, what type of words did you think? would be used as slurs in the Monstrous Agonies universe? Mm. And what type of words did you think would just be normal, accepted, everyday yeah. terms? Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, they've sort of said they can see why you want that distinction within monstrous terms, but mm. sort of, is there a process behind that? What makes you think this will be a slur for a monster, whereas this is something that they'll happily just say every day? Right. I, this is this is one of the questions I was joking earlier this week that people have sent in really 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 interesting questions with really boring answers because <laughs> this is one where it's like wow that's a really oh yeah you'd, you'd want to get your teeth into that wouldn't you mm-hmm. wouldn't it be really disappointing if the answer was vibes you just feel it you helps. just kind of is that's it it it's just vibes I think they're like I did have a worry at the very start of the show that people weren't going to get that a lot of the tongue-in-cheek, you know, um, uh, like, life insurance for the vitally challenged, like, Mm -hmm. that people wouldn't get that that was coming from somebody who actually does care about using the right language and is taking the piss from inside the house. Yes, exactly. It's sort of taking the piss of the corporate version of that sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, because I remember quite early on, um, it was the one where it was talking about the sort of 
ironically sort of the hierarchy at Apocacorp and the person who was worried about working there. And um, it was talking about sapiocentric working practices. Yes. And you were really struggling with kind of thinking about, well, hang on a second, is this what I mean? And is this terminology right? And, <laughs> and, and eventually you kind of had to say, I'm just going to write it and I've just got to do it. And no, that's the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like, I mean, when you start picking apart some of the, some of the language, like, do you, we talk about genus. Genus is the accepted term that we use. We don't talk about people being a different species. But, like, is a vampire actually a different genus than a human being? Mm-hmm. Or what, is a witch another genus? Like, that doesn't really work, does it? Like, somatically unstable, you, you know, that's... Most of the long ones are ones that I find funny. The like the idea of saying like you know for the for the for the differently vital, it's like really yes. funny. To and me. especially if you can make the phrasing so complex and just like jarring in the mouth, that yeah. makes it funny. Which is yeah, the way yeah, that yeah. certain terminology we now have can happen like yes. that. And even though you can respect it entirely, you can still think, isn't this a funny it thing is, to it say? It is a funny thing to go all around the houses to try and say something. Yeah. There is actually a perfectly good word like, for. Or like when the acronym was quilt bag for a bit. Yes. Which is inherently funny because... It's, it's a very it's, funny It's, it's sound. a word quilt bag. Yeah. And all the letters deserve to be there, but mm. it's quilt bag. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry that that's not... That there isn't a more interesting or thoughtful answer, but it really is just... <laughs> Vibes. vibes. And in terms of what becomes slurs, I think it's just because, like, I I mean, say, like, the word monster, I think it's really cool that, like, some people will call themselves monsters, like, 100%. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, it's clearly a reclaimed slur. Like, it's, it's clearly something that some people really shy away from. Some people embrace it. Some people, you know, you kind of got to be a bit careful with it and I don't know what that could be a metaphor for <laughs> what could it possibly be what, what does it mean we'll what does it all mean it's not like we're talking to the person in charge no 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 it's no. a mystery anonymous as well as art I love that you say that like anonymous is their name it might be <laughs> you don't know anonymous. they could be choosing to go by anonymous okay anonymous and art mm-hmm. both ask what was the best part of making season two, and also what was the hardest part of making season two? Hmm. Well, okay, so hardest... Hardest, there were two two kinds of difficult. So there was a while where I was super sad and actually just not very well. Mm. And uh, that was sort of late last year. And then... Yes, when we all sort of kept saying... Why don't you take a little break from doing the podcast that you do for fun and that, yeah, that you know, everybody you is extraordinarily supportive of me yeah, taking And you're like, I can't do that. Yeah. My entire world will shatter to yes. pieces. So there was that. That was a little difficult. Uh, the end of season two managed to coincide with the most stressful house hunting I have ever experienced, which is like, it's too stressful and complicated to even go into now like it was so much there were so many things and it was just doing all of that while trying to do the season two finale was like (laughs) um so there was that kind of difficult where it was just totally just external pressures just making it just really hard Mm -hmm. um and then there was but there was also like Hey, there's so many voices in this season. <laughs> like, yeah, you love getting to edit lots of voices <laughs> together, don't you? Yeah. Um, so weirdly, actually, the call-in was kind of fine because 
only Mab is also in the studio. Yeah, you it's know. fine. Yeah, the call-in episode, which was amazing and featured so many different talents so and was talents. very well coordinated. Oh, well done, Hero. Yes. And the crossover event of the century, one might say. <laughs> yeah, it was easy enough for you because that was a call-in. So if the audio was a bit distorted or different, that's what happens on call-ins on yeah. video shows. But yeah. you now have two characters who are quite often in the same place at the same time yeah. when their voice actors are never are. Never are. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, so that's... That's quite difficult. I've had quite a big learning curve just in, in just purely editing audio. As, uh, you know, I think the sound quality is much better this season than it was last season. Um, like if I listen back to like episode one, episode one also, I'm really annoyed about this, is worse than two. <laughs> so it's like, hello, welcome to my podcast. Yeah. It sounds like I know, but Here's the thing though. I do think it is a sort of podcasting rite of passage. Yes. The, the first episode, or maybe the first block of episodes, yeah. you then have to tell people, please, yeah. just, just trust me, just get trust me it gets better, it gets forgive better. this, or quite a lot of podcasts are like, just skip entirely, just get to this bit, yeah. don't worry about the start. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's so common and so normal that I think most podcast listeners expect it yeah. as well. Um, and you've got time on your side because yours is a much shorter podcast than most other yes, podcasts. it doesn't take long to get to the better sound. Yes, exactly. But yeah, so so in terms of difficult, it was definitely just the learning curve of somebody who is actually fundamentally, first and foremost, a writer, suddenly, you know, through no control of their own, who makes these decisions? I have honestly. no idea. Suddenly I had to, to deal with other people's voices and and sound effects so many sound effects um and all that kind of stuff that was like fun difficult that was like a a, a good crossword. yeah i would almost say that that was kind of like a combo of like the best bit and the worst yeah. bit. the best bit is having so many cool people who yeah. want and obviously the podcasting community is wonderful yeah. and you say to someone would you like to do this thing with me and they're like <laughs> yes absolutely let's go yeah. so kind of that like community aspect of it yeah. is both great and difficult because then you have to do your least favorite thing which is editing the sound mm. of the podcast that you yes. chose to make thanks for that <laughs> but yeah yeah like i mean yes because there was one of those questions was which is the best bit and absolutely it is hearing other people like playing the things that either i wrote or actually a lot of people wrote their own letters for the uh for the call in episode, episode 57 yeah. yeah so they had um written it themselves um but obviously i had read it and done a couple of tweaks where like the language didn't quite match up with the world building and that kind of stuff so i knew what they were going to say but then actually hearing them perform it was amazing <laughs> and it's absolutely wild and because i had had a bit of that with you last season doing the understudy but you ad-libbed so much of that <laughs> yeah i'm not very good at just straight up reading the script and once i get into it i'm yeah. like well this character would do little little bits exactly which is dope like absolutely no no criticism for that <laughs> at all um but it, it did mean it was a different experience when you when i get um so liz he plays map usually does about three reads of each line and they're all a bit different. Yeah. Um, and that's wild. And I'm like, you're a real actor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the secret as well. You've encountered proper professionals who do this for a living yeah. now. Whereas, yeah. Um, yeah, not that you aren't a proper professional, of course. You I'm are. not a proper professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a proper professional. I'm not a proper professional. <laughs> there we go. Proving, proving the point. So lots of things to love. Lots of things to love. And the things that are 
the absolutely the most difficult are actually nothing to do with the podcast. It's just to do with having a life and dealing with that and existing on the mortal plane. Well, yes, because one of the other questions you did get from Anonymous, and I'm now choosing to believe this is a being known as Anonymous, Mm. an Anonymous, All Hail Anonymous, who asked, how do you find balance between monstrous agonies and the rest of your life? And I'm going to answer this one for (laughs) you, which is that quite often you don't. Um, and you get very in your head about needing to do the podcast. And that's because you also like to have structure mm-hmm. and you like knowing that on this day, this thing happens. And on this day, I do this. And on this day, I do this. Yeah. It does mean that sometimes when you're not very well yeah. and you need to take care of yourself, you have a lot of people who love you yes. telling you, for the love of God, mm. take a break. And do you know what's really, really extra stupid about that? Is that that's the advice you would give someone on this podcast? Well, that's quite stupid, but it's not the one I was thinking of. <laughs> the other incredibly stupid thing about that is that every single listener is completely fine with it. And, like, nobody... Yeah, no one's going to turn around and go, um, Hero, where was my episode no, this week? every single time that I've had to cancel an episode or move an episode or it's just all gone a bit wrong, everybody has been like, oh my god, rest up, I hope you're okay. Like, oh, no worries, see you when you're better. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, of course they are, because yeah. they're listening to a podcast which, as you say, is overwhelmingly like please take a break and you need to look after yourself yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I just I get you're right I get in my head and I get fried and I say yeah I'll do better next season next season we're gonna have one episode a month (laughs) we're not (laughs) we're not because I need I need structure and I need enough structure and I also need the time pressure element yeah um, in order to get it done but it does but yeah and don't worry Dear listeners, uh, we who are physically present mm. in Hero's life will make sure they take care of themselves, yeah. uh, at least until the end of season three, and then all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Elena asks, how do you stay motivated to keep writing when you hit that wall of writer's block, or if you ever get worried the writing isn't very good? Mm. I I wouldn't say that I get worried that the writing isn't very good, because I... I don't know how to say it without sounding like a dick. I will say it. Hero's a very good writer. Even on a bad day, Hero's a very good writer. So even at their baseline worst... I mean, okay, so for instance, you've already talked about this on the Mm. Twitter, so I don't mind talking about this. The the episode with the CEO in for this season, Hero wrote first pass at it and then sent it to me because I do editing um, and... Not to toot my own horn, but I'm very, very, very good at editing. Yeah. Um, Hero sent me their first pass of the CEO episode and said, I don't think this is very good. And normally when Hero says this to me, it's because they're having a mini crisis of confidence. I read the thing and I go, it's very good. F*** you. Oh, we're swearing on this one. Did we swear in the Q&A last time? I think I bleeped it out if we did. Okay. Just imagine what I said there. Um, But yeah, I said, it's very, very good. Uh... Uh, in, in the past, that's how it had yeah. gone down. Um, but you... there's, I think the thing is that usually if I'm worried something's not good, I'm worried about something very specific. I'm like, I think I've talked too much about historical underwear in this. Yeah, or there's too many horse mentions. And I've never worried I... about too many horses. But you should, because there are often too many horses. However, uh, with the CEO episode... It was bad. bad. Hero sent it to me and I read it through and I think I just sent them a message going, oh, babe, yeah, this is actually quite bad. Yeah, you were like, oh, honey, this is not good. Yeah, um, <laughs> but don't worry because then you have me here. So I went back through and the thing is, like, I didn't really change what you'd 
the, the, no, the you scene. rewrote it. <laughs> well, yes. You rewrote it entirely. You you have a writing credit. Yeah, on, that is true. On um, that episode. But but, you... it's, but the framework of the scene was still there. And that's, in all of writing Monstrous Agonies, that is the one time where you've had to actually say, this bit's bad. Yes, because there are definitely letters that I've gone, uh, balls. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. not great. Um, there there are ones that are not my favourites that I just I thought they were going to be funny and they weren't that funny or I thought they were going to be you know or actually I didn't give myself enough room for a for a good you know route around in the subject and now it's a bit flat or something but I don't really worry about it because I mean I'm functionally writing two short stories a week I don't get very precious about Yeah, they're not all going to be corkers, They're not all going to be corkers, and some of them are, and some of them are going to really surprise me with other people's reaction. Like, there are definitely some... Yeah, there are some that you've sort of gone, ah, this was fine, and then people are like, this just moved me to my core. The one... (laughs) So, like, the one that I really wasn't expecting, which is going to sound really stupid, was the one with the person who's, like, lost in the forest, and they've forgotten who they are, and they're just like... Oh, I really like listening to the radio, though. Thanks. And everyone's like, I was sobbing. I was like, really? <laughs> I thought that was just a bit silly. It's just oh. there's just no accounting, you know. No. People are going to connect to things that they connect to, yeah. and that's the thing, you know. I think for um, someone who also writes, like sometimes you just have to do it mm. and write. And you know, I know that you and I both have similar feelings about the idea of writer's block. Yeah, I don't find writer's block a helpful way to talk about things because I think writer's block is you know it's like saying oh do you ever experience weather what (laughs) what should I wear in weather what should I do about writer's block and it's like well look I mean sometimes I get blocked because I'm exhausted and I need to just go and have a bath and go to bed Mm -hmm. and sometimes I get blocked because I've started the story in the wrong place or because I haven't done enough research or because I've not got enough, you know, stuff in my head. I need to go and read a really tricky literary novel instead of just, you know, pulpy fanfic nonsense. And I need to get some, like, roughage in my brain diet and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't find writer's block helpful because there are all, like, there's so many different reasons you can be struggling. And sometimes you are just, like, your creativity is just fallow for a bit. And you're so just you start you're, to go watch some good films and read some other yeah, books and yeah, and go to an art gallery, yeah. walk in the park, yeah. hang out with a dog, just oh, compost comp- your brain. Exactly, you want to take it all in and, and give it time to actually mulch down, yeah, and, and and be at peace with that that your creativity is going to wax and wane. Yeah, and I think also be at peace with the fact that, especially if you're producing something at this output. Sometimes your writing isn't going to be very good yeah. for your own personal standards, whatever very good is for you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not going to be that. And you just have to sort of take that in and let it go and just think, right, next one will be better. Yeah. Next time I'll do something different and I'll keep going. And that's it, really. It's just the yeah. keep going of it all. Yeah. And identifying which bits you actually really, really, really need to work on. So there are some, say, submissions that come in that are clearly really, like, really deserve and need some some heavy work and some time to take over them and and some of them come in and it's like i've done the kraken doesn't like metal boats bit that you joked about and i'm like that's excellent and it's you know solid and and i don't have to 
I don't have to worry that the answer to that isn't going to be like weighty enough. Yes. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And like with the CEO episode, it really needed to be good. Like it couldn't, I can put out, a, you know, if I've had an idea for a letter and I've written it and I've written the answer and it's all right, mm-hmm. that's fine. If somebody else has written a, a letter, I want the answer to be, you know, respectful of the effort yes. that they've already put in. And if I'm introducing the major antagonist in this really dramatic way, yeah, I can't really phone it in. <laughs> Everyone deserves to hear that in an excellent fashion. Yes. And and that's um, when I get you in. And that's when, yeah, so... Really, so how to deal with writer's block? Get someone else to write it. Get a Sophie. <laughs> get a Sophie. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was actually a very helpful answer that you naturally came up with there because you actually hit upon a point that several people who sent in questions asked about when letters come in as submissions, how much editing do you have to do on them? Can you sometimes just read them as is? Or do you, you know, go to town on changing them? How much change goes into the letter submission process? Um, it kind of obviously really depends on the on the submission because we accept just prompts as well. So sometimes I just get one line and I have to go from there. And some people write a whole letter. The most common thing that I find is a perfectly solid letter that I edit just a bit for either clarity or time or to to sort of the back to the linguistic question to to get the language in line with the the world that, yes that is yeah, yeah yeah there. but sometimes people send in letters that are absolutely fabulous and would take 20 minutes to read just the letter and it's like oh i'm sorry i'm gonna have to like absolutely hack it. this <laughs> so i'm just gonna have to <laughs> hack it up i try as much as possible to keep as much of the original language of a letter as possible uh-huh. so um I will do my absolute level best to actually use the actual words that have actually been chosen because I think one of the one of the reasons I really like doing submissions isn't just that people's ideas are different than my ideas but also just the way that they put them they use words that I would never use and I think that adds a nice bit of character to things mm-hmm. but yeah they don't you usually people it's it's just a bit of tweaking, a bit of tidying up, a bit of sort of making things a bit more streamlined or like if they've got, you know, the rule of three kind of joke thing. Yes. They've got two jokes, so I put in another because it, mm-hmm. it just works. It a bit works better, better it flows. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Um and that kind of thing. But but usually not a huge amount. And I've certainly never had to do if I've ever had to do sub- substantial editing, it has actually just been cutting out yeah. and just paring it down and kind of crystallizing. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the really, really lovely things is when somebody comes back to me after they've heard their submission and somebody actually did was like, I really, really love that you just, you managed to cut it down, but keep exactly the core, the core part of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what's been really nice for you this season, because obviously season one, you had a, reserve of letters you'd written mm. to bulk it out because obviously there's two a week and mm. that you know it's at the start you were a new podcast so people didn't yeah. know they could submit stuff or you had people submitting and submitting over friends and things like this but you had a bulk and um obviously this season just gone you actually had to close submissions yeah. because and i didn't realize i didn't realize until i look back how early we closed yeah them. it was like december yeah it was really really it early was like, in the run i was like chaps hang on <laughs> <laughs> There's only there's only so many episodes a season, but yeah, because the response was just 
incredible and like just and the quality of the response as well yeah and the fact that there were so many that i opened and just went oh god that's gonna be fun (laughs) yeah like it it was it was really fun sort of being it is fun being your friend anyway oh thanks but it's fun (laughs) being your friend especially when you open a new Montrose Agony submission because you sort of sent it like, <laughs> just you wait until you hear what's going on here. People are so clever. They're so clever. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, that kind of also ties into um, Matthew. Matthew. Uh, Matthew. That's my Matthew. That's your Matthew. Matthew is my boyfriend. He's... Um the most beautiful man in the world. He is very beautiful, it's true. Mm-hmm. And he asks this beautiful question, which is, which letter or advert do you wish you'd thought of? <gasps> oh, oh, Matthew. God. The AI, the really, really recent one. Yeah, the that, incre- possibly so my favourite of this entire season. It was so good. It was so good. And I, and I like, plunked it in at the end because uh, I obviously got it ages ago. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and when I was putting them in there, almost all in the order that they were sent in, except that some people sent in multiple, so you want to have a little bit of a space. Between until... people. So, yeah, you yeah. don't want someone the same letter submitted yeah. yeah, every yeah. week on week. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so when I was rearranging them, I was like, oh, that's going to be so nice to end on. That's probably going to be the last letter of the season, actually, because it, it is so gorgeous. And that was one, again, that was like, it was a bit long, so I had to take some things out. But it was it was just so good. And I'm trying to think of like ideas that I wish I'd had, or like like funky takes on things. Funky takes. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Funky takes. Funky takes. People say funky. Yeah. I they do. Funky. They said it right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean the adverts. Almost all the adverts I wish I thought of. Yeah, I think that's the thing, because adverts have pretty much only been submission-based for yeah. so long. <laughs> you get so many great ones. So many. There's so many good ones. They're so good. And those are ones that really, like, sometimes people come in with just the name of the company. Some people just have the idea of the the product. Yeah. Um, and then I get to have loads of fun, actually talking about research, I get to have loads of fun... <laughs> looking up creatures that they could feasibly be named after yeah. that I can just or quickly... to cater towards to, like, sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. Or they've written the whole thing, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, so I came up with... I always start with yet yeah, so. You do? I had it I'll start with E. E, bye. E, and I came up with... E, one of the ones that I'm very proud of coming up with was um, Necropolicious. Yeah. That was season one, though. That was season one, but it's still... Um, so see, like... You season, peaked in season one. I peaked one. in season one. I've never been good again. No. Um, <laughs> uh, you kind of... You kind of hit a few extra points here in that answer. Because oh. um, the sort of... The way I was going to close out this little segment mm. was by... Because Leanne, Ella, and Attie Stark mm-hmm. all ask what's been your favourite story or scene 
of the season. Is there anything I'm particularly proud of? And I just wanted to make sure to include Attie Stark's wonderful compliment. Um, and they say the voice acting this season has been absolutely incredible. Oh, thanks, Attie Stark. Yeah, isn't thanks. that lovely? But yeah, um, uh, is there any scene or story you're particularly proud of? What was your favourite letter to perform? Oh, because those are different. There's favourite letters because of the ideas that you get to chew on. Mm. And then there's... Favourite letters because of the scenery you get to chew on. And <laughs> Either way, you're chewing on something. <laughs> That's me, all over, isn't it? Love a bite. I do, I love to bite. Um, yeah, because I think in terms of performance, the single mother dragon was really fun because yeah. she had a proper dragon voice. I didn't do a Welsh accent and I realised I probably could have but I don't think I could maintain the voice and the accent. Yeah, it's either dragon or Welsh. Yeah. And you've got to pick one. And if it's a single mother dragon, you should probably just go for the dragon. Yeah. Um, My, I don't think it was a very good Brummie accent, but the idea of a Brummie Mongolian death worm really made me laugh. Yes. Of course it did. Yeah. (laughs) So that was fun. And I did two Scottish accents this season. You did. You really branched out because you threatened to do one in season one. Yeah. But my silly accent in season one was the Texan. Yes. R.I.P. the Yeehaw Cut. <laughs> um, yeah. Hashtag release the Yeehaw Cut. I don't have it. I would, you know, I would. There's nothing I like more than being silly on the internet. Yeah, so last season, season one had one Texan accent and it was a werewolf. Yeah. Season two had two Scottish accents and one of them was a wolver. So season three is gonna have three silly accents and one of them's gonna be wolf based i guess yeah but i'm not writing it (laughs) yeah what about a fursuit that's come to life look the submissions are now closed but keep an eye on our social media and you can (laughs) (laughs) to find out when they reopen for season three yeah see that was like i pushed a button on you and because you my favorite performance of yours Mm -hmm. from the season was and i know it was you know very recent but the ai was just incredible like oh, the kind regards kind regards. No, we can't do this again kind please, please 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 we've got regards. so much to get through kind, 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 kind yeah but yeah just the way that you modulated your voice and even like listening to it i kept smiling because certain words came up repeated and you intonated them the exact <laughs> same way each time there were Two of those that were copy and pasted actually the same tape. <laughs> oh no, you're no, reading the magic. No, 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 this no. is like but only two. Re-listen to that and know that only, only two. two. Um and all the rest. I mean listen to that thing that that kind of regards I know outtake. I know. I just love to make noises with my face. You do like making noises, especially pleasing noises. Like, oh I do oh, pleasing I can, noises. I can do that a again. Lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm a very neurotypical person. You are, you're completely just like mentally you are so typical so average yeah what a normal brain i've got <laughs> so um and another one from jan caltrop mm-hmm. um they ask how do you decide on the logo designs colors because it's very visually pleasing but i never know how anyone comes up with that kind of thing so how did you personally hero design the logo for a ma i did the sensible thing and i asked the professional artist who lives in my house my handsome boyfriend Matthew is an artist and um, he offered to help and I said yeah and the reason I don't credit him um, I would but he hates doing logo work <laughs> he really 
really hates it. So he doesn't want to hear about everyone. He's really, really right. good at it. Genuinely, he's, I think, Matt McTired on most things. Yeah, or we'll Diabetic Spoon 92. I'll link to in his. In the show notes. In the show notes. He's wonderful. He's really, really good. He's really good at loads and loads and loads of kinds of art, including logo design. But don't. Hates. Don't commission hates it. or try to hire him for logo design he do he's it. not interested unless you are the person who he loves very very much yes that kind of takes us out of the questions about season two section mm-hmm. or like the question the making of the making of behind, yeah, the, behind scenes. the scenes at monstrous hq the tag i use on tumblr oh well there you go guys search that tag if you uh, want to find out search more that tag if you want to see absolutely nothing because <laughs> you're searching a tag on tumblr <laughs> Moving from the behind the scenes segment, we're now going to the scenes segment of the questions, <laughs> um, because pretty much all of these are about in show canon, okay, characters, hedge canons. Mm. Um, so uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about what goes Ooh. on inside that very little lovely head of yours. It's not a very little head. I think it's quite small. Ash Nebulous. Fabulous. What a name. Ash Fabulous, more like. Oh. Ash, uh, she asks, do you know what the presenter's genus is? (laughs) We know they have at least what looks like skin, Mm -hmm. but not really much more. And I'm going to interject here, Ash, because we do know that they have a tongue. Mm -hmm. They burn their tongue. They burn their tongue. And we know that they... Have a lap. Have a lap. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also know that they are a temperature stably mm. in order for them to be burning up at one point, which mm. Mab comments on. That's true. Um, but yes, uh, Ash really wants to know, are we going to be... Are we? Because <laughs> I'm on the creative yeah, team now. Okay. I'm going to write and read and everything. <laughs> um, but will there be more details revealed slowly over the course of the series? Or are you just going to out loud say it at one point? Um... I'm not revealing details on purpose. It's just that I don't know how to make a joke about Mab sitting on their lap without saying the word lap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to, without any visual cues whatsoever, mm-hmm. indicate the the presenter is the equivalent of feverish without Mab saying, oh, you're burning up. You know, it's it's not... So these are not, like, sneaky little, like, clues to the the presenter that I have in my head. They are just things that I have done because that is is a helpful way of expressing the thing that I'm trying to express. Mm-hmm. And we've had um we've actually had so much fan art this season. And it's all been and it's fantastic. All been incredible. And the sheer range of interpretations of the presenter. Like there was one where, where where they were just a big hand with a mouth in the middle of it. And there was like there's like an owl based one, like a deer based one, and like like just like a nebula in spats <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. Or like the big chunk presenter. Big presenter. Um and there's so many and they're all absolutely incredible and in in no universe would I want to say or do anything that would stop that from happening? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, for me personally, the way I think about the presenter is that whatever genus they are, it's not one we in our world know about. Yeah, they're not like a werewolf. Yeah. You're never going to be like, surprise, it was a wizard. (laughs) A wizard did it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. About the presenter's genus, we reserve the right to do surprise a wizard did it about other things. I am not throwing that out of my toolbox. No. 
Yes, so Matty O.K. Smith. <gasps> off of Neighbourly. Off of Neighbourly. Excellent podcast. How would you rate this podcast? 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Do you recommend? Um, who is Blobbo from you show? <laughs> Blobbo from me show? Learn to type Matty O.K. Smith. So for anybody who isn't on Tumblr, which seems absolutely ridiculous considering you're listening to a... A gay... A gay podcast. podcast. Q&A. About monsters. A Blobbo is... Um, the, a character from a show who you just, you just love a lot in simple terms. They're just in your head. They're just in your head and you think about them. For instance, you might be working at a toy shop one day and you might be smiling to yourself and someone might come up to you and go, a really sweet old lady might walk past you while you're restocking the Cluedos (laughs) and she'll say, oh, he must be someone special to have you smiling like that. And you'll say, he is. Because you are thinking about Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> so for yeah, so, example, so for instance, Obi Wan Kenobi might be your blobo. He might, but Obi Wan Kenobi, as far as we're aware, is not currently canon within the Monstrous Agonies universe. I'm not ruling him out. Not ruling him out, but he's not being canonically mentioned. Yeah. So, of the canonically mentioned blobos, potential blobos from you show, who mm. is blobo from you show? Blobo from me show. I. Uh, this is... Uh, so I am enormously fond of the presenter, actually. Like, quite unsurprisingly. Yes. I just think that they are an entire idiot, and I love them very much. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just so stupid. <laughs> um, and they try so hard, and I, I'm into that. I, I really like the... I mean... Oh, Joshua's boyfriend. Joshua's fiance. Joshua's Joshua's husband. Joshua's husband. Uh, Stay tuned for season three. Yeah, I love I love I love him so much. I love the nemesis. Yeah. I, I like I like the fun nemesis more than the boring nemesis or like the sensible nemesis. Yes. But I love them and their dynamic. I think that that's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Really into the Mongolian deathworm. I think that that he's great. I love what Nessie has now become. <laughs> As this celebrity within right. the MA world, yeah, 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 because that was that was purely fan engagement, really. That was that was me saying that Nessie exists, but she stays in a lane, so she never writes in. And then I think it was Leslie who wrote the Nessie letter, which was was excellent. Quite a lot of them, if I think about them, I get really, really, really fond. And I think a lot about. I actually think a lot about from season one. The letter writer whose neighbour is like a river nymph who keeps flooding his uh, flooding their garden. See, I said his because in my head he's this like you're going to make fun of me. This big sort of quiet country boy. Oh, really? Is that the boy that's living in your head when you imagine this story? <laughs> yeah, and he he he's you know he's dealing with this slightly over emotional, slightly ridiculous creature uh-huh um and they grow very fond of each other mm. it, yeah it may uh-huh. interest people to know that that matthew my matthew is six foot four and from donegal but you're very wee and i'm very wee and have emotions sometimes <laughs> so, <many> emotions. <laughs> so i think my personal globo from you show mm. is the um the agents who have fallen in love with each other even though they're rascals from the 
the initial sort of vague apocalypse introduction. Oh, yeah, the sword, the one who's like, I've got, I had a sword in the apocalypse. That yeah. was great. Because, um, because it's very easy for those to be Blobo from Misho because they're Blobo from to Misho. Yes. Um, because it is just a Xerophil and Crowley from Good Omens. It is. In an alternate universe. A little setting. cooler. A I little think, cooler. I think the Crowley equivalent in that letter yeah. is actually cool. Yes. In a way that Crowley, Crowley, Good, Omens Crowley Good Omens is not. It's not cool. But um but I think about them quite a lot. And especially <laughs> because they are like quite definitely related to kind of the plot line that is mainly going on mm. at the moment. Yes. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Like that was the first apocryphal suggestion yeah. of this organization that is not to be trusted. Not to be trusted. And more on that in mm. season three. I wonder what's going to happen. I know, me too. Ooh. Should write it at some point. Hey? <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably come up with that quite quickly. Now, it wouldn't be a supernatural gay podcast without shipping culture. Oh, God bless. Yes. God bless the shippers. God bless the shippers. Um, that sounded sarcastic. It's not. It's not. We I mean, are. Genuinely. We're there. We're and we're, uh, we are. Yeah. And I mean, also, we are. We love them. Yeah. yeah. We love it. So, Ella, Ella, she asks, how much fan fiction do you think there is of Mab slash the presenter mm. in universe? Mm. And she does say that she personally doesn't like RPF but knows it exists, mm-hmm. um, which you... I don't like RPF. RPF is real people fic. Yeah, which is where people... so it's where people write about r- real people mm. who exist and they think about them doing doing Completely normal things. Yeah. Completely normal and regular things. Yeah. Um, um, and I do read RPF. Because mm, you're a sinner. Yes. I don't because I'm pure of heart. Yes, exactly. I think I don't know enough about RPF to answer. I'm going to pass it over to my resident pervert. Yes, hello. <laughs> what is your RPF policy here? Um, I, I, there definitely would be. Okay. This is like it's there would be. Okay. Um, I think it, but it would start off very niche. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting because obviously the Night Folk Network is clearly a popular station. It's sort mm-hmm. of clearly like the station. And it's interesting to think about because we were talking a little while ago, this is going to be a tangent, I'm terribly sorry about that. Huh? We were talking about American radio and how weird it is. Mm. Because here in the UK, we have like five radio stations that mm. everybody gets. Then obviously there are littler ones if you have digital radio and things like that. But generally, there are five biggies that you scan between in a car radio and that's the preset ones. Mm. So odds are, if someone's listening to the radio at one point, they're going to be listening to one of those. Whereas in America, you've got radios for everything, radio stations for everything. And little, little people with a radio tower make their own and just broadcast on empty frequency. Little, little, little people who live inside of a radio tower Mm -hmm. and they make radio and it sends out the airwaves and it can be about cowboy music or it can be about heavy rock metal or it can be about cowboys who love heavy rock metal music (laughs) while they, you know, it's, so niche, niche radio stations exist in the US in a way that they don't really hear. Yes. But the Night Folk Network feels niche niche in and of itself yes and it feels it's it's community radio which we only have on a tiny scale so small and you only tune into it if you know it exists you're not going to ever accidentally stumble across it and i think this is where the the nightclub network really 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 branches off from anything else is how much of what seems like a really like if you had a like what I was thinking, and actually, when when I was um, uh, sort of 
con- conceptualizing this, I was like, I think it's like the Asian network, mm. where it's actually not at all niche because it's a huge, huge, huge population. Huge population. Yeah. And actually the creature community is a massive population and a huge percentage and it's relevant to a, an enormous number of people. Um, but the only way that we have the Asian network is because it's the BBC and the BBC can fund things that that, that so Amazon yes. is not is that, going yeah. to because it's not Amazon. <laughs> they're not they're not gonna um and so what's interesting about the Nightfolk network is that it is a it it is now a community owned radio network. Yes. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It started off it being funded a... by a bigger entity and yeah. I have no idea how it was funded before. We don't need to think about it. It's I fine. don't need to think about you it. Don't but think it, about it, that. it uses adverts as the thing. Yes. It got like like part of the whole thing is that mm. it got its money from adverts and now it gets its money from community shares. Whereas if it was a real radio station in England the size that it is, it would be by the BBC mm-hmm. and it would be digital only yes. and, and you know yeah. and that would be it um, I've forgotten the question <laughs> it's alright I'm going to bring you back around because I so the reason why I brought that up is because what we know of the advice segment mm. is that it is 2am on a Thursday morning which isn't the time that a lot of people are often listening to the radio yeah Obviously, creature communities, a lot of nocturnal creatures mm. out there, a lot of um, geniuses who don't sleep at all. Yeah. So there is a chance that... But in terms of the listenership who would be listening at that time to that particular network, right. to listen enough to hear these two people, these two beings, mm. talking to each other and deciding, oh, I'm into that. I'm into that. They should they should absolutely be putting parts of their body on the other's body. And that's something that I want to make happen in this world and that I think about. So I think in terms of the RPF community for Mab and the Presenter... Oh, that's where we were. They are a small but incredibly dedicated fan base. I do think... See, it's funny you say that because I, I kind of... This is not canon... I'm looking at the microphone as if I'm looking all of you in the eye as I say this. I sort of vaguely conceptualise it so that the presenter's on all the time. Yes. And so I imagine that they and Mab have interactions outside of what we outside well, because of what this we is what hear. I was this is what I was going to say because obviously, but I do think Mab gets more uppity in the during the advice during segment the part. Segment. Yeah, because Mab is station manager. Mm. She's not segment manager. Yes, she's station manager. So yeah. she will be there more often than not, mm-hmm. overlooking and overseeing and making sure everything's mm-hmm. running according to plan. So there will be interactions between the two of them. Are you listening to me, fanfic writers? <laughs> There will be other segments that you could invent whole cloth that the presenter presents that Mab interacts with them on. You could do a fan fiction about a new gardening section being introduced that the presenter is crap at presenting. So Mab ends up becoming co-presenter by default. Do you want to write the fanfic? Yeah, I might write that. To be honest, I might write that for you. Um, But the great thing about fanfic is you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. But uh, yeah, that kind of ties into... Uh, art and teethworm. Teethworm. Yeah, I knew you'd want oh, to do my, that. My, honestly, my Tumblr followers have the best names. Yes. Yeah. A really big fan. But art and teethworm both ask questions relating I to. Mean, I just, I love teeth, I love worms. It's it's really uh, coming up a cropper for you there, isn't it? 
Um, is coming up a copper a good thing? No. Oh. <laughs> it's coming yeah. up roses. Yeah, everything's coming Tooth up Tooth filled, wormy roses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine if roses had teeth instead of thorns. Wouldn't that be horrid? <laughs> so Art asks, if the presenter gave Mab a cactus, what would Mab name it? And then Teethworm would like to know if Mab has a vegetable garden or if she's more of a houseplant person or both. So, Gwydion. Gwydion is the cacti name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just off the top of my head. I know that Angharad and Tubson meant something. Yeah. And I don't know what Gwydion means. Does Mab have a vegetable garden or is she more of a houseplant person? I think she's a houseplant person. I think she's got a um like a like a one of those really nice like conservatory like sunroom things, but it's like very like vintagey. Mm-hmm. Um like the whole house is full of plants and then I think that that yes. Because I do think house plant skills and gardening skills are two totally different yes. things. And you can be skilled at both, but it's yeah. very rare. And I think that she probably has an incredibly beautiful garden yeah. as well and like or like possibly like grounds. I don't know where she mm-hmm. lives. Um but yeah, I don't think that she's growing vegetables. No. Um, because I think that that is a different vibe. Yes. Yeah. No, Mab goes to restaurants. Yeah, and... I don't think Mab has ever cooked in her life. No. Or has any desire to. She's... She keeps sweaters in the oven. Yeah. 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 Why does she even have an oven? To keep sweaters in. Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah. Hideous, hideous sweaters. Hideous sweaters. Perfect, beautiful sweaters. Mm. Um, speaking of ovens and cooking, mm. Matthew. My boyfriend. Your boyfriend, Matthew. Your boyfriend, Matthew. That's his official title. My boyfriend. Your boyfriend, Matthew. Matthew. Your boyfriend, Matthew, asks, what album does the presenter put on when they have guests around for dinner? I have an answer for this, and I didn't think I would because I don't listen to dinner music. That's true, you don't. Joan Armatrading's first album. Oh, that's oh, an incredible choice. Incredible choice, isn't it? Why did you how did you come up with this perfect I choice? Already so that's like one of the one of the only not angry men with guitars and drums albums that I really, really, really love. And mm-hmm. my mum had it in the car and I literally I got this question and then I was cooking dinner and I put on the radio and Radio 3 was crap. So I retuned uh to Radio 2 thus demonstrating that you really are just listening to the same <laughs> the same radio stations over and over um, and it was playing uh, Love and Affection and I was like this is such a good oh my god this is so good and what I love about Joan Armour trading is because I love her mm-hmm. I love her music mm-hmm. but she isn't someone who you listen to all the time mm-hmm. so if I went round to someone's house for dinner and they were playing Joan Armour Trading I'd be like oh my god I love Joan Armour Trading <laughs> this album's so good I'm having such so a good time good. so that creates an experience right. to go with the dinner right. and you're just like and you're just like getting into it and I think also like not only do I not listen to a lot of stuff that isn't angry guitars and boys or Radio 3 um like I like me and the presenter do not have the same musical yeah. vibes whatsoever. No, like there is no way that that the presenter is listening to McCluskey. Well, also just going with your 
this is canon, but also potentially don't run away with this. Mm-hmm. The presenter's never really not broadcasting. So oh, unless yeah. there are music segments on the Night Folk Network, yeah. when are they getting the chance to listen to music and, and apart from their little, little snatches of time off? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I also think they have opinions on vinyl. They do. Yes. But also then that's funny to think about because not the opinions on vinyl, but they're always presenting. When would they have time to have people around for dinner? Yeah. Yeah. Probably just... Maybe probably. there's a segment on the show where yeah. it's... I mean, they probably are just sitting on the floor of the studio uh, having a packet sandwich with Mab. Does the presenter have somewhere to live? Yeah. Because they get firmly sent home. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And anyway, uh, also, none of this is canon, so don't worry. And there's don't that worry. lovely phone call, but... No, that doesn't happen <laughs> in the show. That's in that fanfic. This is why you shouldn't read fanfic, because it? it makes you think that... I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going to keep that in. No, there's a wonderful fanfic. It's really good. Um, that confirms in fanon that the presenter has a home. So yes, there we go. But again, it's fanfic, and if you don't like that, you don't have, you don't have to, to think about it. That. Like, I really... It, I know I sound a bit of a, of a stick in the mud, um, but it is really important to me that people understand that if if it doesn't happen explicitly on the show, it's not canon. Like, that... You can do whatever you like and you can have whatever wonderful interpretations you want and you can play around with it and, and have fun with it and really, really, really encourage you. If, if you're interested in sitting and thinking about fictional characters a lot, which I, um, are completely normal about. Normal amount about. Um, I do that a normal amount. Um, but yeah, like it really is like, you know, people like to ask questions and I like to answer them, but it's always very like, no, we do do your own thing. Do your own thing. You can go your own way. Go your own way. <laughs> you can call it another lonely day. Another lonely day. <laughs> oh, rumours would be a good one. Oh, Although really it might be a bit pointed if Mab was there. It would, considering we since the history. presenter doesn't have any other friends. That's true. <laughs> Just Mab, like, everything is pointed towards me. I'm your only friend. <laughs> the only person you know. <laughs> That brings us to the end of part one of the Q&A. Tune in next week for part two. Thanks again to Sophie B for joining me and a very special thank you to our fabulous volunteer, Rachel, who produced the transcript. Hello to our latest supporter on Patreon, Jennifer. Join them at patreon.com slash monstrousagonies or make a one-off donation at ko-fi.com slash hrowen. The inbox is still closed for submissions, but you can follow us on Tumblr at Monstrous Agonies and on Twitter at Monstrous underscore pod for updates on when it reopens for season three. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme tune is Dakota by Unheard Music Concepts. Thanks for listening, and remember, the real monsters are the friends we made on the way. <laughs>